Welcome back, my friends. It is July 27th, and this is another episode of the Do Big Things Podcast. I've got a great conversation coming up for you guys this week. I talk with my man, Terry Miller, who just completed the Hard Rock 100. I really enjoyed this conversation. He has been trying to get into Hard Rock for about 10 years now. And anyone who has entered the Hard Rock Lottery before knows how difficult it can be. You know, not to mention just running year after year of qualifiers just for the chance that you might be picked one year. Well, this year, Terry was picked to run his first Hard Rock. And it was everything he hoped for. He was challenged. He had to dig deep. But he finished the race. He finished DFL, last place, but he finished. Nonetheless, So he may not be the fastest, he may not be the most elite, but you know what? He had a dream to run Hard Rock, and when he got his opportunity, didn't waste it. In fact, he got his money's worth. After all, DFL in one race is simply called last man standing in another race, right? Terry, congratulations. You had a dream, you saw it through, and now you are a Hard Rock finisher. Follow us for exclusive content by following patreon.com slash do big things. This is the best way to support us in this show. By following us on Patreon, you'll get to see the B-sides. You'll also have a chance to know who's coming on the show so you can ask them questions yourself. Be a part of the tribe for exclusive content. We want to thank our sponsors. First of all, Exoskin. They make a full range of apparel from hats to socks and everything in between. Exoskin is the only seamless athletic apparel brand that is made in the U.S. Their stuff is great, you guys. Um, it's it's best at providing protection from chafing, blisters, hot spots, and odor. I love my Exoskin shorts. Um, I just love them. If you're into anything outdoors, you got to check them out. All their stuff has been through the most challenging races in the world, and they stand behind their products with a 30-day money-back guarantee. If you wear it, you're not convinced, send it back for a full refund. And you know, this is one of those things that you pay a few extra bucks for, but it's going to last you for years. You know what I'm saying? Check them out, exoskin.us. Use our discount code BTC for Big Things Crewing for 15% off. This podcast is also brought to you by On Pace Wellness. Will Benitez is working with some of the finest athletes around, and he's helping them find even more success. Will's a certified nutritionist, and he knows what he's talking about when it comes to nutrition. You want to take your game to the next level? Contact On Pace Wellness. Or maybe you're not an elite athlete, and you just want to feel healthier um, on the day-to-day. Maybe you need just a little bit of guidance. And you know, this isn't a big commitment. You can you can sign up for their services for a month or three months and then get on track and do your own thing. But look them up on Pace Wellness. Mention this podcast and he's going to give you a 10% discount and get you properly tuned up. Last but not least, this podcast is brought to you by Athletic Brewing, the finest non-alcoholic craft beer on the market. You can have yourself a tasty beer or two without all the negative side effects. You can have one in the middle of the day, not worry about driving home. You can have a couple at night, not have to worry about being groggy in the office in the morning. There's no hangover with this stuff because there is no alcohol. Check them out, athleticbrewing.com. Use my discount code, McRobertsA20, all caps. 
for 20% off the best non-alcoholic beer around. Buy two six-packs or more, and you don't have to worry about shipping costs either. Enjoy the taste without the hangover. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for this year's last man standing at the Hard Rock 100. My man, Terry Miller. This is the Do Big Things Podcast, where we want to inspire you to do big things. This podcast is brought to you by Big Things Crewing, a service for ultra runners from beginner to elite. Not only can we get you trained up, but we can also crew you into the finish line. Find us at big-things-crewing.com. Now, here is your host, Adam McRoberts. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I got another episode of the Do Big Things podcast. Uh, I've got a great guest here whose story I uh, I really want to hear. His name is Terry Miller. Say what's up, Terry. Hey, thanks for having me, Adam. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, yeah, we were just chatting briefly before this, but uh, congrats on Hard Rock, man. It's it's your very first Hard Rock. Um, I, if I had to guess, you've probably been trying to get into this race for a while. Yeah, well, I've been trying actively to get in since uh, I think my first my first hundred. I specifically picked a qualifier in two thousand. I think it was thirteen. Okay. And um, in fact, I'm wearing the shirt from it now. Run, rabbit, run! And ah, so, nice. So I've been trying to get in since then. But even before then, I picked a qualifier for my first hundred because I always knew I wanted to do hard rock. Really. What was it about Hard Rock that called you in before you were even running hundred milers? Well, there were there were a few things. The main thing, they uh, when I first discovered that trail running was a thing, I had gone for uh, um, somebody at a running store, run club had mentioned trail running was a thing. I'd never heard of it before, and they invited me to a Denver Trail Runners run. Showed up, and there's a few people sitting around, you know, talking about hundred milers. And running Leadville and stuff, and I didn't even know that that was humanly possible right. at the time. That that was even a thing, and it just blew my mind. So I went home and I was googling about it, and just like trail run, trail running, and trail running races and hundred milers, and I found an article from outside online um, that was from the early two thousands, and it was called "It's Going to Suck to Be You," and it was all about hard rock um, and just the uh, some of the people like profiles of some of the people who did it and what they said about it. And I remember the first thing that the article says, if you, you can still Google and find the article. And the first thing it says is big, bold print it says, there's a reasonable chance somebody might die. <laughs> and so I was thinking, wow, that sounds, you know, that, that caught my attention. And, and, uh, you know, then just looking at pictures and everything it was so pretty and, and if even if you look at my ultra sign up, like I, I don't I don't race a lot. I don't care about racing just for the sake of racing. Sure. But things that are really pretty and really hard. Mm. So that's that's the thing that inspires me and and makes me want to get out there. Is just going and 
seeing the most the most beautiful and the hardest places to get to that yeah. I can, and that's Hard Rock. So nice, yeah, it is. Are you originally from Colorado? Oh shoot, did I lose you? Can you hear me? You kind of locked up there for a second. Okay, sorry about that. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, I'm going to switch internets here just in case, but, um, okay. So, um, are you originally from Colorado, Terry? No, I'm originally from the East coast, Washington, DC area. That's where I grew up in the late teens and early twenties in the San Francisco Bay area. Hmm. And then came here. I've been here a little more than half my life now. So I feel like I'm from Colorado. So yeah. I'm from here as much as anywhere else, I, I think. Okay. Is. Nice. What brought you out here to Colorado? I had family that moved out here and uh, my mom, my mom and stepfather and my little brothers and sisters moved. I had already left home, but they moved out here. And I, but I knew I, I was an avid skier. And of course, I, you know, the skiing in Colorado is great. I figured I'd come stay with them for a few months and see my family and ski some see what the skiing was like out here and that was 1994 and i never left haven't looked back yeah yeah similar story i hear i hear the the saying in the mountain towns out here is you a lot of people move here for the move here for the snow or move here for the winter and stay for the summers (laughs) that's that's what happened to me that's pretty accurate yeah so when you moved here you weren't an ultra runner um were you a runner at all not at all. Running is terrible. I, I always hated running. I still, <laughs> I still rarely enjoy the act of running. And uh, yeah, no, I, I, I grew up, I played in the woods a lot growing up. I lived kind of a, uh, some of the places I would lived had access to a lot of woods and I just run around as a kid in the woods all day by myself and be in my own head and imagining, you know, cowboys and Indians or whatever the scenario was. And I just love running around in the woods. Um, and then as I got older, we moved into more urban places. I played a lot of basketball, not organized, just like playground basketball. So that was, I grew up playing playground basketball and running. That was about as much running as I did from one end of the court to the other. Right. I do that a thousand times. I was you know, super fast from, for 50 feet, um, but always hated running whatsoever, you know, like as, as just a thing in and of itself. Yeah. And I was, I think I was 37 when I became a runner. Okay. And, uh, what happened there? I had kind of stayed in shape for a long time because I, I did construction. I was a framer for years and years, but then as I got older, I, the job got less and less physical and more and more about telling people what to do. Only my diet didn't keep up with my lifestyle. So I got better than I wanted to be and, um, and knew I needed to start uh you know get in shape again and running was just the most convenient thing you know i i thought stupidly at the time that i mean running all you need is a pair of shoes yeah go out the door and you can be a runner and and, right um and i i still didn't mean for it to be a lifestyle i just knew that uh it was the most convenient thing to do i figured once i got in shape that then i could get back into the others the actual fun stuff Okay. The stuff that was actually cool instead of running. Yeah. Um, but uh, I knew I had to get something to keep me focused. To, uh, to ha- I had to have a goal to make me 
forced me to work out even when I didn't, didn't want to. So I signed up for a marathon um, and uh, I, had, I had hurt my knee and stuff. And, and so like I wasn't, I had run like twice and then hurt my knee and I wasn't even running at all, but I um, decided to sign up for a marathon like four months away. And about, um, you know, and I think my longest run ever had been five or six miles at that point. And uh, Perfect. My sister, my sister told me there was no way I could do the marathon in four <laughs> months. I wasn't, it wasn't remotely prepared. And um, so then I had to do it. Yep. And it wasn't until during the marathon, I, if you'd asked me at the starting line, I could, I would have said, there's a pretty good chance this is my last run ever. Like I didn't care. Right. It was just a, a, a thing I had set up for myself to force me to run every week. You know, like if, if it's a Wednesday and it's raining and I don't feel like running, I knew I had to, to train because mm-hmm. it was yep. such a hard thing. It forced me to train. And so, but doing it, I got to, you know, I realized 20 miles in that I was definitely going to finish and that I had, that I had just run 20 miles, which was an insane distance to me. Right. But I knew that, and that I could do this insane distance and still know I could go six more miles. It was just a paradigm shift mm-hmm. of what I was capable of, what humans were capable of. And I knew in that moment that I couldn't just go back to somebody who couldn't do that. I mean, <laughs> it might as well have been a superpower to be right. able to run 20 miles, no problem. Totally. Yeah, yeah. And so I literally had the thought, I was like, well, crap, I guess I'm a runner now. Because <laughs> I, I knew I couldn't go back. So Wow, wow. So you just kind of flipped the script on yourself almost and uh, found yourself with this new superpower once you knew you could run 20 or 26 miles. You know, it was kind of the same thing for me. Uh, you know, same progression too. eventually did a marathon and then started looking at these ultra distances. And I just thought, you know, I have this new thing that I found out about myself, I can go run these really long distances. And but, but I also felt like anyone can do this if they want to. I didn't feel like I'm special or I'm gifted. I'm not an athlete. I felt yeah. like, man, like we can all do this. It's just that most people don't want to, and they're, they're probably the smart people. But if we put our mind to it and we set this thing up with a training plan, we can go out and do whatever we want. And it just translated to other areas of my life. That's well, yeah, that's, that's totally. So, and that to me, like if anything that anybody got, you know, if I could share anything with anybody else, and whether it's about running or, or any other pursuit, like I'm, I am by far not a gifted athlete by nature whatsoever. Like, and especially not an endurance athlete. I'm a fast twitch guy, hundred um, percent. But the fact that I can do it, anybody should look at me and, and, and instead of thinking like, Oh my God, that guy's cool or amazing think, geez, if that guy can do it, I can definitely. Do it. <laughs> yeah. Totally. And, and it was even that that got me, and I, I didn't mention this in the marathon story. I mentioned I'd hurt my knee before I, and so I wasn't even running. So I Googled, I was trying to figure out what was wrong with my knee. So I Googled, you know, running and injuries. And so I was going down a rabbit hole of that. And that was when I discovered, I found an article that said Oprah Winfrey had run a marathon. And, and that was kind of the, the trigger for me. I said, well, if, if she can do it, you know, if, if normal, regular people can do it, yeah. I guess that's a thing that's attainable that mm-hmm. I can go do, you know? And then I, I went to that, that Denver trail runners thing and heard people talking about doing hundred mile races. And it was just like, Oh, that's a thing people can do. Mm-hmm. You know, once, once you 
realize, you know, what's what's out there um, that you can do things that that yeah, it opens up a whole nother whole nother world. Does it? Yeah, literally opens up a whole nother world, and all of a sudden, you know, five, ten years later, you have all these new friends. You have uh, just a, a new support system, new hobbies. Uh, maybe other hobbies that sort of revolve around running, maybe you get into biking or yoga. I mean, it can literally just open up a whole new world. Um, yeah, same with me. I remember when I was a kid, I heard that Madonna ran a marathon. And I'm like, okay, Madonna, she's a rock star, but she went out and ran a marathon. And I, and I just kind of thought the same thing. Like, I wasn't not not comparing myself to Madonna, I guess, but I was just <laughs> like, if she can do it, I can do it. Like, it's it's a thing right. that people can do, you know? And I just kind of took note of it as a kid. Um, so when you discovered these guys who were, who were running trails at that running store, was that after your first marathon? Yeah, I'd never been, I'd never run with anybody else until I'd done that marathon. And it was a couple of things. One, that I didn't feel like I was a runner. It was just a thing I was doing that was just kind of this extreme bucket list, you know, and not really bucket list, but more just a, a one-time, you know, can I achieve this thing? Mm -hmm. um, and then, like I said, during the run, I was like, well, I guess I'm a runner now. Yeah. And then after having run the marathon, I felt like I was a legit enough runner that I could go to like the run club at the local running store and hang out with other runners and see what it was all about. Yeah. And so, and then somebody at the running store, that's when they mentioned trail running. And then I found that group and, um, and, and yeah, but I had never, the first race I ever did was that marathon and I had never hung out with another runner or didn't, didn't know anything until, until after that. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I get it. You got to start somewhere. And I, I remember like reading ultra running blogs and stuff back in the day, because I, same thing, I didn't have any friends who were running marathons or longer, especially. And, uh, uh, at the time I was living in Wisconsin and sort of exhausting all the resources that I could get my hands on, which at the time was a couple books and a, a couple blogs on, on online. And that was really about it. Uh, well, it's a good thing about discovering running, especially trail running in Colorado is good luck exhausting the resources. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> no, and I, I've I've thought about it. In fact, I just brought it up uh, to the group I was doing trail with trail work with before Hard Rock. Um, some it occurs to me sometimes just when I like, how long would it take you just to run all the trails in the San Juans? <laughs> you know, it would probably a couple of lifetimes, right? Just to, just in that one little corner of the right. state, right? Right to even see what's out here. Yeah, I mean, you could explore Colorado forever, uh, a lifetime and barely even touch all of it. I mean, it just goes on forever. Um, so um, then the distances started getting longer for you than 50K, 50 mile? Um, kind of, but I, it, it was pretty quick though. I, I, from the time I discovered that, I mean, because I, I even, like I said, from the beginning, I knew I wanted to do hard rock. So I did a 50K um, in 2000, I don't know, 2012, something like that. And I picked a hard 50K because I knew I had to start doing stuff that was hard. Mm -hmm. and, um, and the next ultra I ran, I think, was Run, Rabbit, Run, 100 Miler. But I, I had done a couple of 
media, you know, distances in between, but not in um, not in official races. I had I paced, I think, 30 miles or something. I paced somebody at Hard Rock that year. I went and volunteered and paced, and uh, I paced somebody at Leadville, the second half of Leadville. So I never done an actual 50 miler, but I paced somebody for 50 miles. Mm-hmm. And um, but yeah, everything. You know, I knew I wanted to do 100 miles. It was like it was same with starting with the marathon. It was just the hardest thing I knew of, and so everything, everything in between was just it was always just training for that. Mm. And not, I mean, yeah, Hard Rock was the eventual goal, but I knew that that um, you know everything was to get to the hard stuff because that was that was the thing that really inspired me. Mm-hmm. Not that it was the only thing that mattered. Because along the way, you know, all those intermediate things, I, you know, every step along the way, there was so much I learned and so many great experiences, but I always, they were always just experiences I was taking in to, to be ready for the next thing. Yeah. That's crazy that you've had your mind set on hard rock for so long. I mean, a decade or so, like that's a long time. I mean, I I guess I've kind of had my mindset on hard rock for just as long, but it sounds like uh, you were more purposeful (laughs) with the races you were signing up for and um, you were on a little bit more of a mission. So were you looking at hard rock kind of the same way you were looking at your first marathon? Like this is going to be a one and done type thing. I'm going to do this and then it's off the bucket list. But then, you know, obviously that didn't happen with the marathon and maybe that won't happen with Hard Rock either. But um, were you kind of looking at it as the same way? Like, I just want to check this thing off. I think at first, at first, maybe it was like that. Um, When I first read that article, like this is just a thing I want to do. And with the marathon, like I did, I only ran one other road marathon ever and I'm on my you know, seventh or eighth hundred or something like that. Um, Cause the marathon didn't interest me, but you know, didn't inspire me, but mm-hmm. with uh, along the way learning, you know, there were so many other experiences that I got along the way and re- realized, you know, the, how much deeper it is than just like a race to check off. And especially I said, I think it was 2013 and 14 when I first went down there and volunteered at the race and found somebody to pace at the race and started experiencing um, the area and the people that are around that race. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've had the chance to go to Silverton for yeah. Hard Rock. I have. But it's just so cool. The, yeah. You walk around this little town. And I mean, I must know, you know, hundreds of runners here in Denver, and I'll occasionally run into one on the trails. But you go to Silverton around Hard Rock, and you're just walking down the street, bumping elbows with, you know, you'll see 20, 30 people, you know, if you walk a few blocks, right. It's just such a cool gathering, um, you know, like a family reunion or, you know, just to get together. So it became, you know, after even a year or two of going down there and volunteering and doing trail work and everything, not getting in, it's still, even without getting in, it was always the most fun weekend of the Mm -hmm. year Mm -hmm. just to go down there. So, um, I intend to go back as many times as possible, whether it's racing or volunteering or just, you know, whatever I like. I just like going down there. I think I've volunteered six years there now and paced nice. people six times now. Wow. And um, yeah, I just like, I just like being around it. Yeah. And 
it's just such a good time, you know, whether I'm running or not. Yeah. It is a really special race. There's just something about it. Like you said, it feels like a family reunion and uh, yeah, you can see, you see all these runners hugging and they haven't seen each other for a year and it just feels really special. Um, you go to Leadville or something like that. And you know, the race is four times, five times bigger and you just, it's not as intimate. There's just masses of people everywhere and sure everyone has the same goal, but it's just a, a completely different feel. Hard rock is just, really special. Um, and I love Leadville too. I go to Leadville. I volunteer at Leadville. I think I've same thing. I volunteered there six years and I paced there six years. It's, it's, it's not the same. Leadville's more party yeah. than a family reunion, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's, it's cool too. Like I'm not going to put down any other races. And that's another thing I was going to say too, is on the way to getting, you know, in the, in my mind at first, everything was, I want to go to hard rock. So I'm going to do all this other stuff to, to be, to be ready for hard rock. And I'm going to do these qualifiers to be ready for hard rock, but they're all so amazing in and of themselves. And the, right. you know, the people I met along the way and the places I get to go. And, and, uh, you know, I, I tell when people ask, why do you run? I, my answer is always because of the places it takes me mm. and that, that, and I mean that literally and emotionally and spiritually and in every way, because, you know, even doing these things, they may have, it may have started out as, um, as, as just a way to get to the eventual destination, but then everything that I encountered along the way, mountains I climbed and places I went and other races I did, like everything along the way was just so special in and of itself that, um, you know, that the, the goal itself, the race itself, and that was 48 hours and it was cool to, to get, you know, to the end, obviously it was amazing, you know, having, so so emotional to get there but you know everything along the way was i grew and learned um so much from all of that from from everything that i did yeah well i mean really yeah it was like a decade-long journey to get to hard rock and yeah. i mean if, if someone is listening to this and says you know maybe they're dabbling in ultras and they say, I'd like to do hard rock some, sometime it, it is in your journey for, for that person. You know, it takes a long time of applying year yeah. after year and doing all those qualifiers. It could be a decade long journey to get into hard rock. And in that decade, yeah. you're going to be running a 50 miler to get in shape for your hundred miler. That's the qualifier for hard rock, you know, and then you don't get into hard rock. So, okay, you got those two races under your belt and you've met a lot of friends along the way and the whole, it's just a big journey that just keeps on. It's like a snowball that's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, yeah. 100%. So walk me through hard rock this year. Um, I don't think it's any secret that you were the last person across the finish line. And I say that with, with nothing but, uh, you know, honor and respect because you were out there longer than anyone else, man. Like, um, you were on, literally on your feet longer than anyone else, almost 50 hours. And uh, that's a long time. Like, you know, I, I've run a bunch of hundreds. You've run a bunch of hundreds. I'm, I'm going to have to guess this one took longer than any other one for you. But um, just walk me through yeah. a few hours. Yeah. But just walk me through it. I'm curious, like what your head was like going into this thing, what your goals were and uh, just how the couple of days went for you. Well, I knew that my training hadn't quite been as good as I wanted. I hit all the training runs I needed to. 
the important ones. I got super busy with work, so I didn't get as much of the, you know, I'd plan on, okay, I got these big training runs, but then I'm going to do an hour on the, on the uh, rowing machine in between. To, and I, I'd miss a lot of that kind of stuff because I got so busy with work. So I went in seven or eight pounds heavier than I wanted to be, which is still 20 pounds heavier than the rest of the field. And, um, <laughs> And so I think between work and stress and things, I wasn't getting faster like I'd hoped. So I knew I wasn't hundred percent, but I knew I was, I knew I could, could still finish. I, I just knew I didn't have much margin for error. I hoped that after tapering that I would, you know, have a burst of energy and things would, I would feel amazing after tapering. And, but I, I knew I wasn't going to know that until the first climb. Yeah. So um, took off and the first few miles were pretty flat and I was in, you know, mid pack as I usually am when it's pretty flat. And then, you know, three miles in or something like that, it turns straight uphill and it was just a parade of people passing me, <laughs> which is also not, not, uh, not terribly uncommon. I'm pretty used to that. Even, uh, um, you know, in my training runs and things like that. And I'm, I don't know if, I don't know if you've, I know you know Julian Smith. I don't know if you've been out with him, but like some of those groups oh, on the course, course, go out with him with seven or eight people. And the same thing, I immediately watch everybody go away from me up yeah. the hill and away <laughs> from me at the tops. And uh, and yeah, so by the first, it was like that, just a parade of people passing me. And I was basically in last place at the top of the first climb. And I knew then that it was going to be, you know, if I'd been at least hanging on to the pack at that point, I would have felt a little better yeah i knew it was going to be a long long two days <laughs> right from the beginning the very first climb you knew it yeah. <laughs> oh, made it to the first aid station in cunningham and already people were like oh okay like you're um you, you okay you you need to get out of here okay <laughs> and when you're hearing that at the first aid station that's <laughs> <just> an ideal <laughs> it's not a good sign so um and i just knew and, and again you know it I think it's a, in in some ways, um, you know, good that it had, I'd had had to do so many other races to get here and other things because I just knew I just can't afford any bad points. Like I knew I still could finish, but I didn't have any any room for error. I couldn't have any low spots, any you know bad. So um, it was just uh, okay. Let's go, and mm -hmm. I'm gonna go and and give it all I've got and. Um, just try to do everything I could right and make sure I ate right and just not have any, not have any low points. Mm -hmm. And it still didn't go, you know, there were things that could have gone better. I got pretty bad blisters mm. right away. Mm -hmm. So at the first at Sherman in mile 28, I had to stop and get some blisters fixed and tape up my feet a little bit. I had to deal with that a little more at, at URA. And um, so I had, Blisters probably slowed me down quite a bit, but physically, everywhere, every aid station, every person who saw me said, you look, you know, you look great, you know, like they, they were always, there was always the, but you're in the, you know, you need to hurry here, you don't have much time to waste here, but they would say, oh, we haven't seen anybody look as good as you in hours, um, because, you know, so I, I knew I had to keep it together, and I knew that, you know, having a bad attitude or feeling like, oh my God, this is like, it wasn't going to help anything yeah. that keeping a good attitude was just going to make my body feel better. 
and I also knew I would the whole time. It wasn't just that I'd wanted to get there for ten years, and it was that special to me, but that that there were thousands of people who would have loved to be in my place. Mm-hmm. You know, so many people would have just given anything to be running Hard Rock right now. Yeah, and that. I might have been struggling and suffering, but I'm literally one of the luckiest people in the world mm-hmm. to be here, to, to even have a shot at doing this, to be able to be out here. So I was happy the whole time. Nice. And um, and I was very conscious of not wanting to waste, you know, it was a it was a privilege that so many, like said, thousands of other people would have loved to have. And it would I I felt been disrespectful to them to not. Um, you know, give it everything that it deserved. So yeah, I was just like, okay, let's uh, see what we can do with this. Yeah. Stay after it. Yeah. That, I mean, that's so important is, is keeping your, your mind frame in a positive direction. I mean, once things go south mentally, that's when everything else starts going south. Is that just something that you've learned uh, throughout the years and other 100 milers or where did that come from with you? I think I, I, I don't know where I initially learned it. I don't know if it's something I read, but people commented in my very first marathon about me smiling mm. a lot. And I don't smile a lot. Like people who know me know that, you know, like pictures of me and like, you know, if you catch me smiling in a picture, I probably forced myself to do it. And, <laughs> and it probably looks pretty awkward. Like I'm not a smiley person. Yeah. But I know that the act of doing it, of being cheerful, of, of smiling, say that it physically makes you feel better. Yeah. And so, and, and conversely, acting miserable, like, oh my God, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I feel terrible. My feet are killing me right now. It, even what true or not, like it, whining about it makes you feel worse. Mm-hmm. So there was just no reason to do anything else. Um, and I did learn or, you know, decide, I think my second or third hundred that every time anybody asks how you, how I'm doing, the answer is amazing. Mm. Wonderful. Like, I'm mm. doing wonderful. Mm-hmm. You know, and they have, um, I mean, my feet are about to fall off, but other than that, I'm great. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, whatever they'll, they'll, they'll have time to heal afterward. I'll, I'll, uh, so I just, I knew that I had to just stay, like you said, once you, you know, if your mind goes, it's just so hard to you start just death marching and yeah, I didn't have time for that. Yeah. No, I think that's cool, man. And that's something I try and implement too. You're right. Just like forcing yourself to smile at people or whenever I see another runner, I always cheer them on and I'm always like, yeah, good job, man. You're doing great because sure. It might be hyping them up a little bit, but it's on some level hyping myself up, you know, I'm, like me cheering them on somehow keeps my spirits up and then I cheer for the next person and the next person somehow my spirits stay up. I don't know exactly how that works, but it's important, uh, especially such a brutal race. Um, So when you found yourself in last place towards the beginning of this race, um, were there ever any doubts in your mind? Were there ever any moments where you thought, man, this is just I don't know if I can keep up with this. I'm chasing cutoffs. Like maybe this isn't my year. I know that there were definitely, I probably spent more time feeling like I wasn't likely to finish 
then that I was. <laughs> okay. Um, I, because I knew I had read beforehand the the splits from other previous years, and I knew what the average forty-eight hour finish time was. Yep. And I thought before the race, if I had a good race, I, I thought you know I thought I could do forty-six. So I knew I wasn't going to be in the front of the pack or anything. 46 yeah. would have been solid for me. Yep. So, you know, I knew the splits for that time. And for, you know, 48 hours, I knew the splits and I knew I was way behind them. So, um, and, you know, that race, there could always, there could be like some nasty, nasty weather or, you know, anything could go wrong. And I, I knew that it didn't, uh, um, that the odds were probably better for me not to finish than finish. <laughs> but I also knew that I was capable of finishing and I had to just keep myself in as good a position as possible to give myself, to give myself a chance in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Just be within, keep myself within striking distance. So. Um, so as you're, as you're coming into the aid stations, uh, are they telling you and you're up against the cutoffs, you got to keep moving. We're going to give you one, two minutes of aid and then we're kicking you out of here. The cutoffs are pretty generous. So okay. I wasn't near the cutoffs at the okay. aid station. Like if you ever miss a cutoff at an aid station, you were already not going to finish that race. Okay. Um, for sure. So it wasn't like that, but they were definitely telling me, and, well, and I, I was close to some other runners at times, but those runners would kind of have had a bad spot and fall back, but then they'd make, you know, then they were much faster once they'd get going and pull away. Um, so it was never like, or not until the very end, it was like, you got to get out of here right now. It was uh, just more like, okay, let's, let's get some food in you, but you can't stick around too long. You know, it's mm. just more like, just be, you know, don't, don't get too comfortable. Yeah. Um, and that was and another, something, and I've done a lot of, all the races I've done have been mountainous races, but this one between the mountains and the altitude, <coughs> excuse me. Um, I had to adjust a little bit, spend a little more time in the aid stations than I wanted because it's, it's hard to eat and eat and climb, um, yeah. especially, I mean, I don't know, other people, but for me, so my normal routine is I'll just grab a handful of food and I, I always have a quart Ziploc baggie in my pockets at all times running a hundred so I can grab food. So I can always have a to-go bag. I just throw fruit, throw stuff in it, but I had to sit and you know, probably another, an extra five minutes at each aid station and get more food down. Okay. It was hard to eat yeah. while it was going, but yeah, but it was, I, I, they, they, like I said, they were telling me, yeah, you can't get too comfortable, but I knew, I knew what I had to do. So, um, you know, I wasn't wasting any time to begin with in the aid stations. And then at the end, it was kind of funny, the very last aid station at like mile 95 or whatever, um, they actually asked me if I wanted to sit down and I, and I was like, are you crazy? <laughs> Do you know what time it is? <laughs> I can't sit down. Uh, but, uh, but, but no, they were, they were always, I think everybody was just perfect. You know, they were, you, you got this, you're doing great. You're doing wonderful, but you know, let's, let's keep it, keep an eye on the clock. Let's get you out of here as quick as we can, but yeah. you, you're looking good, man. You know, just like, just, just grab, have some food real quick and keep moving. And yeah, it was, I had to do. Uh, um, you said you had to tape up your feet at Sherman. Do you know by chance who taped your feet up by any, by any strange chance? I have a bunch of friends that were working out at Sherman this year. Um, a little bit, a couple people kind of tag teamed 
doing stuff on that, but one of the guys working on my feet, I think was the, uh, I don't remember his name because my brain was preoccupied, but <laughs> um, the RD for the high five was there. Oh, okay. Um, and, and he was helping out. That's the, I think that's the only specific person I remember, but I don't remember Got his it. name. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, how was the weather? Weather was pretty decent this year, wasn't it? Weather was, weather was, was pretty great the whole time. There was actually, and it was actually couldn't have been more perfect in an imperfect way. There was hail and thunder and lightning as my pacer and I were going up to Kroger's and it was just, you know, that's such an iconic aid station like it's kind of defines the wild and tough of the race. Right. And that the weather was doing that as we were going up to Kroger's. I'm like, oh, there's lightning. But you know, you're already up so high. I was just like, well, whatever at this point, you know. Just like, kill me now. I don't exactly, care. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but to get up there and like it's extreme and just the thunder, and you know, it just kind of was like, well, this is this is wild and tough. This is what I signed up for, you exactly. know, with the race. So yeah. um and it didn't rain enough to be, I mean, I was soaked, but it wasn't like rivers of rain or anything like that. And in some ways it might've, um, might it was a little slippery leaving the aid station and getting to it, but some of the ground is so dirt, uh, dirt, the ground is so loose there. It might've actually helped it be a little stickier. Okay. So, okay. Um, you know, I had to stop and take, put layers on, take them off, you know, which was annoying, but, yeah. um, Honestly, it probably cooled things down and it didn't actually probably didn't end up slowing me down at all, nice. which was good because that was a worry of mine that there'd be a big lightning storm and I'd get pinned down and have to lose time. Yep. To yep. That. Yeah, that could have wrecked everything. That could have been yeah. 10 minutes that you needed, you know? Right. Um, and how many pacers did you have? I had three pacers. Okay. Um, yeah. how, many, awesome. how many people on crew total? Those, those three Just were those three. Okay. Up and out on crew. Cool. Yeah, they would crew when they weren't pacing. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. They all, they all took wonderful care of me and most of my other hundreds I've done with no crew, no pacers. Really? Um, that's typically the way I go. And partly I don't like asking for help. Not good right. at asking for help. Yeah. And also because I wanted those other things to be as hard and as brutal as possible <laughs> to toughen me up for hard rock. Yeah. And hard rock, I've paced with a bunch of people and been there. I wanted to share it with people. It wasn't so much I wanted the help. I just wanted to share it with people because it's just such a cool thing. Sure. And so, um, you know, I asked these three people, good friends of mine, Sean and Andrea and Dave to, uh, to come see if they wanted to pace me. And they all said yes right away and gave up lots of their time and put up with lots of my misery and, and, <laughs> and awfulness. And, and uh, they were all amazing. And as it turns out, you know, I'm pretty good at being self-sufficient, but even just, you know, they would bring me things in aid stations and little stuff like that. And, you know, it, even though like I always like pride myself on being independent, that probably actually did make the difference for me in this race. Cause you know, I had, 12 minutes to spare in the end. Yeah. And so it's entirely likely that had I not, you know, had crew pacers this time that I might not have been able to do it. Yeah. 
were they pushing you as well? Did they know how close you were to a deadline that you've got to keep moving? Like we need to at least maintain such and such a pace to get you in on time. They were to the extent that they could. Um, I think I was pretty much giving it what I had. Yeah. There was, there wasn't much that could have been forced out of me. I mean, we were joking about, they were going to sharpen the tips of their poles to prod me along <laughs> a little better, but I don't know that. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know that there was much more to, to, to be dug deep for yeah. um, earlier in the race. I was a little bit slow going up engineer. My stomach was a little wonky, but, um, but I, I was still moving well, just, you know, probably not quite as fast as I would have liked to. And I was like, should I just puke and feel better or, but that, then I'll have no calories and I know I need the calories. So I'll just like slow it down a little bit and, I, I feel like I couldn't at most places have done much more than I did given, given how I felt at, in the race at the time. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's uh, incredible, man. And like, how did that finish line feel? I mean, I feel like you earned it more than anyone else. <laughs> and that particular day, just like, how did it feel to kiss the rock at the end of that thing? Was it just complete exhaustion or was it, were you thinking back like 10 years ago when I signed up for this race, when I wanted, when I first heard of this race or what was it like? It was, it was a surreal experience. And I, you know, well, my, I mean, I was, I'd been awake for two days. So my brain, you know, and I was so like tapped out of emotion. I was starting to cry a couple of blocks before the finish, but, mm. and I was like, man, I'm going to be a mess at the finish. But when <laughs> I got to the finish, I, I wasn't like, I was just like, it was, I was kind of in the moment, like, Oh, this is happening now. Like and things people were coming up and stuff like that. The, the real emotion um, hit me. I knew that so there's a river two and a half miles from the, finish two miles and change and I knew I had to hit the river by 515 and if I hit the river by 515 I was going to be okay and so that whole last section I was just pushing myself you know um, I the last couple of climbs I decided my, my pacer actually wanted actually suggested maybe backing off a little bit because I had told myself that okay, this is it. Like it's, 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 you know, this is the last section. I don't need to leave anything in the tank anymore. And if I have a heart attack here and this is where I go out, well, <laughs> it is what it is. And so I pushed that line on those climbs and, and just run those downhills, but trying to get to that river by 515. And um, like, I wasn't even looking at my watch because I, it didn't matter. I just knew I had to go as hard as I could. And, um, and my pacer ran ahead a little bit when we started getting close to make sure I didn't miss, you know, like miss a turn to the river, whatever, um, to see where it was. And, um, and I just ran hard to that river and pulled myself across the river with the rope and came out the other side. And I looked at my watch and it was five after five. Mm. And, and that's the spot when I kind of, I knew I was going to make it at that point. Mm -hmm. And that's, 
like everything kind of just released then. Mm-hmm. And, and then it was just a jumble the last couple of miles to the finish. <laughs> and uh, I got to the finish and my buddy Howie, Howie Stern, he was right there taking mm-hmm. pictures. And so, you know, I'd, I'd imagined kissing the rock for so long and yeah. then, you know, and I, I did it and um, yeah, it was just like everything just, I, I I, it was almost like numb or, you know, just too many things at once to feel and yeah. just like, Oh, now what, now what do I do? Like, I didn't, I hadn't thought beyond that point. Like, <laughs> uh, like I didn't even realize, you know, Dale came out and gave me a medal, you know, the, and I, I hadn't, I had like forgotten about that. I was like starting to walk away. Cause it's just like, no, I had never thought beyond getting there. And, um, but, uh, and it was, I had never thought about being last either. That was never part of the dream. Sure, sure. And so um, coming in, it was, there was the cheers. I mean, just, you know, whatever, a couple hundred people out there cheering. Yeah, it was yeah, loud and, yeah. and it was, it was such a weird, weird thing to experience. I mean, great. And, uh, but my mental state, like I didn't even know how to take it all in or process it. <laughs> yeah. Just, just, just so tired. Yeah. yeah. Just so exhausted. So depleted. Um, and you knew for a fact there was no one behind you, right? You knew that you were like, this yeah, is it, I, last place and, coming and in. It was, I was actually kind of sad. And I told my pacer along the way, because I had seen back in the distance, I knew there were two more people back there, oh. um, but I knew, but I also knew they were too far back there. Okay. So, um, so I knew for a long time that I, you know, for, you know, at least half an hour or an hour, I knew I was going to be last. Okay. Because, um, after those last couple of climbs, I could see where those, where the other people were. And, yeah. um, and I told my, you know, I was like, I hope I'm not DFL in part because I want, I, hopefully they get, you know, they start feeling it and they kept, you know, they catch up too and that they finish too. Mm-hmm. but uh but for a while yeah i did know that it was gonna but I, I hadn't run through in my head all the noise and the, right right and the well, screaming and ever cheering at the end yeah i mean there's so many people there to see the winners come through and then people kind of dissipate and there's always still some people there cheering cheering runners on it etc but then for the last place you know right before the clock rolls over to 50 hours you know everybody comes out again because it gets exciting again right. and uh yeah man so there was a couple people that did the full 100 mile course and it was over the 50 hours is that right 48 over 48 yeah or yeah. over 48 yeah yeah okay um, yeah they got they got recognized at the awards ceremony and stuff too okay and, and i had you know that that had crossed my mind a number of times too, that even if I didn't make it, um, that I hoped I at least made the last aid station under the cutoff. So I could at least do the whole whole course. So I give those people tons of respect for. Totally. Totally. Wow. Unreal, man. And your legs are feeling pretty good now. You're what only a week out, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, They feel, they feel pretty good. Um, Nice. My, uh, they feel funny to walk on because the, the blisters are just like chunks of skin now, but, <laughs> but, but no, the legs are good. And in fact, somebody, uh, my friend Kristen was teasing me on Facebook a little bit, a couple of days after, cause I, I lift weights also. And, um, and so they, 
she teased me about something. And so I had to go, I went and lifted some weights on Tuesday and uh, yeah, legs were, legs were pretty good. <laughs> were you, you weren't doing any squats or any leg presses on that day, were you? Uh, on Tuesday? Yeah. I, I did deadlifts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I did deadlifts. I, did, I deadlifted 350 pounds. Just nice. Okay. <laughs> nice. Dang. Wow, man. Um, what'd you do to celebrate after you finished? I had a really long, hot shower. Oh, doesn't that feel so good? Was, like it feels oh, good. And it also hurts on everything that's been chafing and all the blisters yeah. <laughs> and like, it feels so good to take a shower, but it also hurts so much. It was, yeah, I had to, you know, we had the award ceremony a couple hours later and, you know, if I'd finished earlier, I could have gone to sleep, but I couldn't even go to sleep um, <laughs> before the award ceremony. So I and didn't, and then I had to go home. My pacer drove most of the way I drove a little bit of the way okay. home. So it was, you know, eight or nine o'clock by the time I, there was really nothing to celebrate. So my celebration is I'm eating whatever I want this week. Nice. <laughs> that works. That's the celebration. That works. That's good. Well, I hope you're eating some good food and putting the feet up, eating some ice cream and indulging a little because yeah, I, a, I, I bought a, I bought a, um, I bought a couple things at Ben and Jerry's that won't last the week. Nice. Sure. Nice. Oh man. If I did that, they'd be gone already. <laughs> the cool thing as far as, you know, not, not a specific celebration, but um, from getting, you know, just noticed from finishing last is the people reaching out on social media and stuff and commenting and the congratulations and things um, from literally hundreds of people on really? Twitter and, wow. and, uh, and Facebook and everything. And even like, some of my hero, like if like if you ask me, like ultra running hero all time um, is Blake Wood, mm -hmm. and um, and he had a hard time and he didn't finish, mm -hmm. and um, you know he posted on my on on my Facebook. He's like, yeah, I would have taken that. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, Carl Meltzer, nice, told, nice said nice job on my Facebook. So you know and and. Uh, um, yeah, just tons of, tons of, uh, my, my heroes and hundreds yeah. of people, you know, just giving me lots of props and it's pretty cool to, cause I'm a, you know, pretty independent person, you know, kind of a hard ass and mm -hmm. that sort of thing. So, so, but it's still, uh, it means a lot to, you know, for all, everybody to be, um, you know, so supportive and cool to me. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, Hard Rock is just such a hard race to finish last place, first place, like in that family, it doesn't matter. You finished, you're in the family, you know, you're a part of the family now. People are going to remember you. You go back next year, there's going to be a lot of hugs and slaps on the back and everyone's going to remember who you are. And uh, it's just, yeah, like we said earlier, Hard Rock is just such a cool family. And uh, as you're sitting here telling me the story, like I get goosebumps hearing you telling your story about coming into the finish line, it, just the same way I get goosebumps when I hear about first place coming into the finish line. And, you know, it's like, you're still fighting for whatever it is you're fighting for. And uh, dude, I just, I love it. And like I said, you deserve like an extra award because you were out there longer than anybody else, man. I mean, <laughs> I, well, I already got an extra award. I got more for my money. So. <laughs> that's true that's true yeah yeah i got to eat more aid station food and 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, if you could go back and change anything, is there anything you would change that day to make yourself faster or um, to? Um, I so a couple little logistical things probably. I started with a pair of socks, and the that were low cut socks, and they pretty early on started drifting down below the tops of my shoes and chafing mm. so the tops of my shoes were chafing my feet a little bit and they were letting a lot of stuff in mm. and um so i would have started in different socks fortunately i had different socks to change into at sherman but i think that kind of set the stage for my messed up feet and um and i had i've never worn gaiters on a run before i think i tried it once or twice but i had bought a pair at the demo before the before the run mm -hmm. and had them in my pack and i put them on at sherman and then they helped a lot for the rest of the race so i probably would have started with different socks and gaiters and that might have helped my feet a little bit my feet they're always my weak link and um, this was no exception i made i might have pre-taped my feet which i've done before and helped but in this case i thought i had it figured out and i didn't think i was going to need to so um so i probably would have done that and that might have likely would have saved me some heartache yeah um if you could change anything about your training is there anything you would have changed i would have forced myself to sleep more i think that was really is that i because like i said i did all the important training that i need but i got i was just busy doing stuff with work and and uh you know i do i do real estate so you know i, I and i got it even four days before the race i i got a place under contract so i'm up I'm up till you know 11:30 at night doing paperwork on the computer and trying to get things signed before the race and and I feel like that's probably why my training didn't take you know like I I did it but it didn't have as big of an effect as I wanted because I wasn't recovering as well as I should have during my training so sure um, but I mean I I know what it I know the runs I need to make myself work and mm -hmm. I was I was doing those but I I just I felt like I didn't didn't do the recovery part as well as I should have. Was that for months before the race or like, did you catch up on sleep like the week before the race and try and sleep as much as you can before hard rock? I, I did more. And that was the plan to definitely like sleep as much as I could during my taper, but work, but yeah, the whole time work got busy early, you know, in like March and just, it's been stayed at a pretty high level for a few months, which has been great. You know, like money is awesome. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, but yeah, it was, I, I, you know, I was commenting on my friends and everything, how it was um, annoyingly interfering with my, with my hard rock training and with the rest and recovery. So yeah, um, I, and that's partly, I blame it on the work, but partly it's my discipline of not managing it all right. And trying to fit too much stuff into the day, which has always been a weakness of mine, of overreaching mm -hmm. in every respect, which including doing races like this. But, um, but yeah, I probably ought to have dialed it back so I got more sleep. Yeah, training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can relate. I mean, it, it's tough when you've got a full time job. You're kind of burning the candle at both ends, and you're you know you're training for one of the hardest hundred milers in the world while you have a full time job. You know, and, and I'm a I'm a single dad too half the time, so. Yeah. I'm half the time so so there's that and and uh and when i'm with her it's you know it's just 100 
focus on her and totally so trying to trying to manage it all and i didn't do as well as i should have or could have for sure with that part yeah um, did you get some big mileage training weeks in before that? Or was it, was it more just like, okay, here's a, a day or two I have to play with. I'm going to go bang out some big miles and we'll call it, so, call it good. I, I often mess with people. I troll people a little bit on like the trail and ultra running groups on Facebook because they always talk about training for uh, how many miles do you need to get or, you know, training for hundred. Should I do be doing 60 miles a week, 80 miles a week? And I'm like, well, uh, my last couple hundreds, I averaged 22 miles a week. <laughs> <laughs> Hard Rock, I took a little more seriously, and I bumped it up to about 25 miles a week. <laughs> I think the averages, but that's mostly trolling people. That's not the whole story because a lot of those miles, I'll go up to Boulder, and I don't know how you know. You're, I'm sure you're familiar with Bear Peak and that. Yep. So, um, so it's just straight up and down. I would joke around too, like. Well, I mean, hard rock should be easy because the trails I do are steeper and more technical because I would just go up and do, you know, Fern Canyon, Shadow Canyon, Green Mountain. Um, so, um, yeah, I may have gone out there and done, you know, it may only be an 18 or 20 mile day, but it was 10 hours. Right. You know, that sort of thing. And then in between, I've got an incline trainer and a rowing machine in my living room and I lift weights to do kettlebell stuff. So it's not just... I say it was 25 miles a week, but that's not telling the whole story of really what I did. I mean, I was training, you know, 14, 15 hours a week. Yeah. Week, so, yeah. Um, but no, I'd never, I never did high miles and even, um, yeah, like, you know, I've done, I've done all the 14ers. So I'll go out and do those a lot. And, you know, and it'll be a, it'll be, it may be a 15, 18 hour day, mm-hmm. but I only got, 16 miles in 18 miles in right but it was but there's a lot more work in it than <laughs> yeah, no kidding miles yeah yeah um how did you meet julian smith was it through hard rock that's a good question. no you knew him before hard rock it might have been um project treadstone okay okay i may have i may have met him before that but um that, that's probably where I first hung out with him. Okay. Was out there. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's how I met him too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, uh, we we're hanging with the same circle of people and, uh, right. Jay, and he's a, he's a great guy. And um, I think he's helped a lot of people. Oh, dude, so much. Yeah, he's helped me just a ton with uh, getting that Nolan's route dialed. And not to mention just just hanging with a, a really fast, efficient guy in the mountains. I mean, he's like a daddy long legs, the guy just moves so well in the mountains. And just trying to keep up with him is, uh, is uh, a full time job. But um, yeah, no, I just noticed that we had a lot of the same friends. And it's kind of surprising we've never crossed paths or if we have uh, it's like, two ships in the night. Yeah. No kidding. No kidding. (laughs) Well, um, what's coming up next for you? You've just, you just did like the gnarliest, hardest hundred miler in the world, arguably. Like, do you have anything else on the calendar? I always have other stuff on the calendar, but it's not always about, um, like I said, I don't, I don't race a ton. Like racing in and of itself is not a thing for me. I'm going to try, I'm going to put myself in the lottery for hurt in Hawaii in January I have unfinished business there and I love it has to things have to be really pretty and hard for me to be inspired by them 
Um, I'm going to go do uh, the Barkley Fall Classic in Tennessee mm. because the mm. only the only other race, and I discovered it about the same time as Hard Rock years ago. The only other race I ever cared about is Barkley. Mm. So um, doing Barkley Fall Classic just to spend time in Frozen Head because um, you know in the anticipation that maybe someday years you know one of these years I might get into Barkley and, and nice. do that. Um, but there's not. Uh, um, as far as races go, there's not a ton else that's nothing else is really calling my name right now, but I finished the 14ers last year and cool. so now I'm working on centennials. Oh, wow. And I also have kind of a goal for myself also where I, I realized a couple of years ago that hard rock as hard and as cool as it is, it only actually goes over one mountain. It goes up a ton of passes yeah, but you only actually summit one mountain. Handies. I like climbing mountains. Yeah, me too. So I decided I want to climb all the mountains on the Hard Rock course. Oh. So that's uh, that's like 110 mountains I want to climb. Really? Wow. So that'll that'll take you know 10 years or something like You're that. You're gonna have to move down there, man. <laughs> something. Yeah. Wow. So, so so it's that kind of. I have I have a lot of peaks and mountains, and I've. Um, and eventually I'll do Nolan's. I won't do it in 60 hours, but I'll do it eventually. So I, you know, like to get out there and still explore and learn my way, you know, I'm learning my way around pretty well there. So just that, you, that kind of stuff is more. Have you spent a bunch of time out there on, have you spent a bunch of time out there on the Nolan's course? I mean, not a bunch compared to some people. I've done all of the sections at least once and some of them two or three times. Yeah. So, yeah. um, you know, that's still, and some, most of, most of the sections, I wouldn't say that I have dialed in at all because mm. it's not something I'm going to try for another year or two to put it all together. But I, um, it's just like a weekend or, you know, two here or there yeah. in there figuring out what, yeah. what works for me yeah. there. Yeah. And, uh, um, yeah. And I'll, I'll be able to, I, I was so focused on 14ers for the last couple years as I got close to finishing that I wasn't spending much time on the Nolan's course because I was trying to do all the new ones I hadn't done so okay and now that I've done hard rock I've done the 14ers now I mean I have all these other things I want to do but I can just kind of do whatever whatever I feel like this weekend I'll go yeah do. that's a good feeling once you've been tied down to a race for a while and the pressure's yeah. on and finally you're just like oh, I can just go do a couple peaks this weekend totally casual Right. And even, even like with race, there's a few like hundred K races out there that I've never done because I've always had a, my a race of the year has always been a hard rock qualifier. Okay. And now I'm qualified for three years. So I can, I can yeah. now I can go do, do some stuff. other stuff. So I can still get into, I know I can get into hard rock or, you know, at least qualified for hard rock. For, for sure. For sure. So. Wow. Always, always more mountains to climb and, there always is, man. It's insane. Um, and you're no spring chicken either. How old are you? 49. 49. Okay. I'm 46. So you got a few years on me, but, uh, yeah, man. I mean, uh, well done. You're like I said, you're no spring chicken. I, I I'm way, uh, I got a few years younger than Julian. So there's yeah. a, so yeah, I, I know. I can, I can keep doing it for a long time. Cause I am still that guy gets after it so well so i have so many so many role models like him and people i see blake wood and, you know all these people out there that are um you know when i was a kid i looked at people my age and was like ah oh, those people are old 
Yeah. And now when I'm here, I'm looking at the other people, you know, five, 10, 15 years older than me, just crushing it. It's like, yeah. oh, no, I feel no need to slow down. Yeah, totally. I know. Yeah. Julian and Blake and all those guys, uh, they, 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 they're just such an inspiration, you know? Um, yeah, they might not be running as fast as they were 10, 15 years ago, but they're probably, you know, they're, they're still out there doing it, you know? They're and, still running a lot faster than I am. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and yeah, there's just always room to grow. Um, so like we mentioned before, um, you can kind of take ultra running and, and learn a lot of life lessons there, like how to overcome adversity, how to persevere or whatever it looks like for you. It's probably, it's probably different for everybody. What has ultra running ultimately like taught you that you've been able to bring to the rest of your life. That's been helpful. Um, that's a good question. I think part of it is there's um, it helps deal with stress and things like that in that when you've run a hundred miles, whether it's hard run, I mean, any hundred mile race, you know, once you've done some of this stuff, it's hard to feel like, like, like there's other stuff that's just too hard in your life. Right. Like, you know, it's other things come up and they suck. And, but you know, like, okay, well, I, this is just another, nothing, another mountain. Of, like I've done harder stuff. Like I, you know, like, okay, this is another hard thing. I can do this. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, feel, I feel like um, when I want people to, it, it, it drives me crazy when I meet people who are not runners or ultra runners and they hear about the stuff I do and they say, oh my God, I could never do that. Mm -hmm. I hate that because of what they're, what they're giving up about themselves you right. know, and, and not feeling that they could because once you know that you can like it's just the whole world is is open to you you're, you're not gonna be like oh uh, I, I can't I can't handle this or that um, so it's just so empowering yeah it's, I that's why I like sharing it and even if, what you know it's, it's not everybody's thing to run 100 miles right but there are things that people can do that they don't think they can do um, that like, like I said in the beginning, like this is like a superpower, mm -hmm. but everybody can get it. Like there are things, whether it's, you know, somebody wants to run five K's or lift weights or, you know, whatever, whatever it is that they want to tackle um, that the, their capacity is so much more than they think it is. And it, once you recognize it, that every other aspect of your life is easier to deal with and, and you can approach it in a, in a different way. Yeah. Confidence. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I remember one night uh, I had to paint a whole bunch of the inside of the house because we were moving like the next day and it's like, okay, well that means I don't get to sleep tonight. I got to stay up all night and I got to do this paint job and it's going to suck. And then I have to work tomorrow and I'm going to be tired and grouchy. And then that thought just came to my head. It's like, I've been in way lower places than this. Like, this is yeah. nothing. I'm just going to crank some music on and just laugh at how stupid my situation is because yeah, I've been way, way deeper, darker places than this. So it's just like, you know, that's just one small example. Of course, you got to paint the house, but uh, yeah, it just, yeah, there's so many parallels there. 
Um, last question, Terry, where do you see yourself in like 10 years down the road? Do you see yourself still doing this stuff? Def definitely. Cool. I don't, I don't, um, I, my, I have a daughter who's three and a half. And so if I can still be doing it in 15, 20 years, and so I can do it with her, yeah, um, it would be, that would be cool. She, yeah. I brought her home. She said we were watching videos before the race of the race. So she would know what I was doing while I was mm -hmm. gone. So we were geeking out on YouTube and, and she's like, can I go do the race? Can I go do the race <laughs> with you? And, and uh, I brought her back a shirt from the race. They had shirts, right. kid, kid sizes. And she, she got the shirt and she's like, Oh, does this mean I can do the race now? Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> You're planting um, seeds, man. Yeah. So, so I gotta be able to, I gotta be able to keep moving. Keep yeah. doing it that for that at least that long cool yeah yeah man plant those seeds and water them because you never know what's going to come up years down the road you know i always tell this story about one of my biggest influences when i was a kid was this guy we'd see out running all the time and i'd be driving with my family and we'd see him in town and there was this guy running with his shirt off and then we'd drive outside of town and he'd be way out on these county roads out there running with his shirt off i never met the guy but when I started running in my adult life, my mind went back to him and I'm like, ah, oh, there was that crazy guy that was always out running. Like, I, yeah, like, <laughs> I wonder who that guy was, you know? So you never really know who's watching, you know? I mean, you could be inspiring just all kinds of people with, without even knowing about it. So I hope so. And that's the, you know, my daughter, if it's not you know, like she's three, so if she grows up and she wants it in something other than running or whatever she climbs to. So, but if it's something other than that, that she wants to do, then, then great. Or, you know, anybody who sees me and what I do and, um, you know, I would hope that the main thing that they would take away is that, you know, there's that I'm, you know, back of the pack barely, you know, like if you look at me, I, I, I tell people I'm a runner sometimes and they look at me and you know, they kind of look at me like, you, you can tell they're like, really, you, like, <laughs> you don't look like a runner, but just, you know, like for my daughter, or whatever, like, I just want, her to know that she can do anything like yeah. it's, it's there like um, you know like dad runs 100 miles so that's just a normal thing people can just do this stuff and yeah. so yeah that i think if people just recognized you can just do this stuff if you want to yeah that's well, anybody can, anybody can do this stuff or whatever it is they want to. If your daughter grows up and wants to be the world's best ballerina, you have the skills to help her get there, you know, yeah. because you know how to, how to grind it out and, and get that hundred mile hard rock done. So, I mean, that's translatable in, in one way, shape or form, but, um, well, cool, man. Um, good luck this summer. Uh, it sounds like you're going to be just climbing more mountains and doing personal projects and, still getting yeah. after it. So good luck, man. Thank you. Yeah. Um, how often do you make it up to Boulder? Uh, depends on the season in the winter a lot more when I can get to the, the real mountains mm -hmm. than I do. Yeah. So, um, but if weather or time or whatever is not as, um, is, is not as, as good then then more so but at, at least once a week i'm probably up there the most of the cool. year, i'm probably going up there after we get off the film nice so get off nice. Of this call i'm probably going to go i'm not going to do a lot of miles but i'll probably go do the freeway good so, oh, sweet. nice stretch stretch my legs out and that's some good recovery right there a little little yeah. cross training a little scrambling yeah 
That's one of my favorites. Uh, I love it. Well, hit me up sometime when you're coming out, man. We'll have to uh, scramble the second or go run up and down green or bear or something out here, man. So that sounds good. Yeah, we ought to rectify the fact we haven't we haven't met. So. I know. I think we've got like 50 of the same friends, so we might as well just get together <laughs> and <go> run. <laughs> sure. Well, thanks for doing this, man. And congrats on Hard Rock. Um, like I said, uh, wear this as a badge of honor, man. Like you did it. You know, it, this is just one of those races where people are just as excited for first place as they are for last place. And uh, there's just, there's nothing to take away there, man. You did it. You ground, you grinded it out and uh, hats off to you, man. So like I said, put your feet up, eat some ice cream, enjoy yourself. Thank you. Thanks well, for thank, having me. Absolutely. Thanks for doing this. Take care, Terry. We'll take see care. you. All right. All right, guys, what'd you think? Terry, thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate you, buddy. And thank you guys, the listener, for hanging in here, uh, checking this one out. This podcast is brought to you by Big Things Crewing. Are you thinking about your first 5K, marathon, or ultra marathon? Big Things Crewing is here for you. We started this company with the goal of helping people achieve their dreams. We offer coaching programs and training plans from beginner to elite, as well as offer crewing and pacing for ultramarathon runners. I love the sport of ultramarathon, and I love seeing people cross that finish line. It fires me up. If we can be a small part in your story, it would feed our soul in a big way. We know how to get you to rally and get you into that finish line. We're going to be doing it this year at Leadville. We're pacing a whole mess of people. We want to help you guys out. We want you to do big things. Look us up big-things-crewing.com. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to this podcast so that you're notified when a new episode drops. If you like what you hear, please write us a review or share it on social media. It helps us to be seen among all the other podcasts out there. Find us on the social media platforms as Big Things Crewing. And as always, our website is big-things-crewing.com. We want to thank our sponsors, ExoSkin, the best running apparel from hats to socks and everything in between. No blisters, no chafing, no odor. Check them out. Use the discount code, capital BTC, for 15% off. We want to thank Athletic Brewing for making this possible. 20% promo code there is McRobertsA20, all caps. We're hooking you guys up with a discount on the best non-alcoholic beer around. We also want to thank Will and On Pace Wellness. If you want to dial in your nutrition and do big things this year, look up On Pace Wellness. Mention this podcast for a 10% discount. Find us on Patreon. Be a part of the tribe. Patreon.com slash do big things for exclusive content. Remember, you guys, life is short. Do big things, baby. Pedro, take us for a run.